What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Hustle and Grind podcast. My name is Jason Hartwell from JK Blades, semi-retired. And I'm here with uh, Ryan Coakley from Ryan Chadbourne Knife Works. Your shit still throws me off. Too many words in there. And we got a guest. Fuck, oh, Ryan Chadbourne Knife Works. Fuck, man. Okay, got it. and as usual per lately we've got a guest in the house with us today we got a super awesome guest this is a knife maker a patreon the original patreon an all-around cool ass dude and somebody that i consider a friend donnie dulovich is in the house today what's going on on, boys I appreciate you having me on. That's quite the uh, quite the introduction. Uh, well, we've been talking about it for like what a year, probably close to it. So, yeah, <laughs> glad to finally have you on, man. I'll try to live up to the hype. Yeah. Did you mention uh, Blade Magazine alumni? I was oh, yeah gonna get into that too. Well, fuck it, let's start with that. How'd you do that? I have no idea. You know, I I got my uh, few knives edited professionally, and whenever you do that, they do submit them to blade magazine and a bunch of other magazines. But I was just sitting around one day and got an email from blade magazine saying, Hey, we're going to put this knife in our magazine. Um, how much would you charge for it? That's all they asked. And it was for the knife or for it to be in the magazine for the knife. They put a, how much would you charge for a similar knife in the, yeah, I saw that. I went a little high, (laughs) right? (laughs) Well, how did it go? Did you get any hits off of it or any kind of inquiries? Not, or Not a single hit, no. But Which, it, to be honest, I'm not taking orders right now. I'm trying to uh, make kind of what I want to make and yeah, try to stockpile a little bit for Christmas. But that'll build you some street cred down the road, though. You know what I mean? It was super cool. Yeah, when it comes time to take orders again, it's like, hey, Donnie Dulovich, as featured in Blade Magazine. Absolutely. Pretty neat. <laughs> That's Definitely cool. was a huge surprise, but very cool. Oh, I bet. What are you sipping on there, buddy? Well, this is my first podcast ever, so I'm sipping on a little Basil Hayden right now. What the hell is that? Uh, bourbon. Oh, okay. <laughs> well, like I told you, if you're having one, I'll have one. I like your style. Cheers. <laughs> I've got sugar-free orange soda and some water. <laughs> We'll count that, Ryan. We'll count that. All right. Well, of Thank course, you. I brought the water with me, too, because got to just do that. It's like a little Blade Show pit party, after party, huh? Absolutely. It's another, uh, it's a redo. We need the jerky, though. Oh, the jerky will be there. Man, I'm telling you, next year, we're bringing like 10 pounds. You have to. That was the highlight of Blade Show pit. I, it was nuts, dude. People were wanting to buy it for ridiculous amounts of money. I think you had a line lined up trying to get the jerky. <laughs> yeah. And the one guy that worked for the hotel was trying to buy everything we had left for $200. <laughs> and it was like half of a quart size bag left. Yeah. Yeah. Damn. Yeah. But Maybe I was like, I'm going to get you down to Blade Show. Yeah. He'll be there next year, right? I will. I hope so. Unless Good something time. drastic happens, which I don't foresee, I'll be there. Cool. Well, if I fun. have to. If I have to credit card it, I will. Well, you know what? It's not, if you plan ahead, it only costs, what is it, 40 bucks to get in? Something like that? 35, 40 bucks? Sounds about right. I mean, yeah, but it's 1,800 miles away. Well, there's that. There is that. What, what about a, I'm sure you'll fly, right? You wouldn't drive that far. I was going to drive it, and Todd Harrington talked me out of it. 
Yeah, I mean, that adds like two full days to your trip. It adds that much to the trip, and it's actually not any cheaper if you factor in food, tolls, sleeping, all that shit. Yeah. I I don't particularly like flying, but I've made that flight before. It's not that bad. Right. It's like four hours. Four hours? Or something like that. Let me look it it's up. It's got to so be shorter like than that. I went, my only time I've ever been on a plane I went to Wichita, Kansas, and we were there in like barely two hours. It shocked me how fast we got like to the halfway point of the country. I flew to California, and it took a whole day because of stops, and then on my way back, it took three days because the airlines got me all fucked up. Wow. wow. They, left, they left me at the JFK airport with no destination flight home. Well, that was so rude. Like, I'm walking around the JFK airport with $3,000 in cash in my pocket. And they fucking, they left me there. So then the airline gets me to Hartford, Connecticut. And then there was no outward flight from Hartford to Maine. And the lady at the counter. So I went to a different airline. I was like, look, I'm stuck here. And the lady at the counter goes, do not leave this area. She goes, you are not safe in the anywhere other than in here. Oh my so, god. So I'm gonna get you a flight to Portland, Maine. Don't leave this area. I'm off my shift in two hours. Trust me. I was like, I fucking trust you. <laughs> I, I was like, I'm not a Yeah, I'm not a city guy. I look out of place when I'm in big cities. I believe you. So I slept on a bench till the next morning when they got me into Portland. But well just wait till Atlanta. We all look the same. We're all big tattooed bearded guys. Hundred percent. We're all at a place, but we're in the same place together. That's right. <laughs> a nonstop flight from Maine to Georgia is two hours and forty eight minutes. Yeah, that's not so bad. Wow, yeah. that's not bad at all. One stop is four and a half. Dude, the plane that I went on from here to Kansas, it's you know, Wichita, Kansas is not a popular destination. And we were going there. I went with my mom to see my little brother that was stationed there. We went, you know, you go down the hallway and you look out the windows and there's these big tubes like connected to the side of the planes where people walk through it and stuff. This is my first flight ever. So I'm looking around like, man, this is going to be kind of cool. I was a little nervous to go up in the air, but the whole experience, you know, like this is going to be pretty neat. Well, we found our gate and all this stuff and we're walking down this long hallway in the Atlanta airport and I'm looking out at all these giant ass planes and our gate was the very last one. Like the building just ran out of building and we opened the door for the gate, you know, after we gave the lady our ticket and there's no line. So we gave the lady our ticket and went through this door and it was a concrete spiral staircase. We had to walk down the stairs onto the runway and use a step ladder to get onto this plane. It was like the tiniest little Delta plane I ever seen in my life. Was it a propeller plane? Uh, I don't remember. I don't Those are remember. terrifying. And then yeah, that, I would have had to say no go if it was. Well, we ended up having to get off of that plane and get on another one because the air conditioner wasn't working. Like we got on it and it's like 150 degrees. Like holy shit, dude! But it was only one side of the aisle had two seats. The other side had one seat, and it was ten like ten rows deep. So it was a little bitty plane. It was scary. Well, this is probably a very rare first flight experience, but <laughs> very, very first time I ever flew anywhere. I was working for a produce company, stacking boxes on the dock, and I was friends with my boss's kids. And 
he drove up while I was working. He said, Hey, do you want to go to the Super Bowl? I said, Yeah, that'd be great. Um, but it's tonight. He goes, I know. Go clock out and uh, drive to my house. And drove to his house. We all jumped on a private plane, flew to Jacksonville for the Super Bowl, uh, Patriots versus the Eagles. And I sat directly behind Snoop Dogg. Nice. <laughs> oh, what the hell? That was the first time I ever flew anywhere. Oh, so now you're just like spoiled. There is no going oh, back. I don't even want to fly anymore. Private <laughs> or nothing. That's freaking awesome, dude. Snoop Dogg did a concert where I lived in California, and he went to a local pizza place and got seven hundred dollars worth of wings. <laughs> he must have that many people following him around. Oh, I'm sure he's got a massive entourage. Oh yeah. I mean, they travel. They travel on a bus. I had a Snoop Dogg experience one time as well. I was uh, in spring break 2000, 2000 in Panama City Beach. We went to Club La Vila. It's like it's, it's gone now. It burned down. We went and looked at it last time we were there. But it's this massive, like, four-story nightclub. And we went to see Rehab, which is a local band here. And, like, everybody here loves Rehab. So we went to the Rehab concert, and it was like 2 o'clock in the afternoon type concert just on the beach. He got done, and out of nowhere – Snoop Dogg and Bubba Sparks came out on the stage. And they sang like two songs and just disappeared. But it was freaking cool. Nobody knew they were even in the building. So I don't know if they were just on vacation and happened to stop by and was like, what's up? I'll sing a song. That's my Snoop Dogg impression. (laughs) That was closer to Dr. Dre, but. Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So what's been going on with you, Ryan? What you doing? Working on blades, trying to get orders. I got some lattice I got to put up around the back, like back porch of my house, so my dog doesn't get sprayed by a skunk again. Smart move. Yeah, uh, I was out in the shop yesterday, and I heard it, my dog barking. Nobody else is home, so I'm like, "What the fuck is she barking at?" I ignored her. Twenty minutes later, she's still barking. I'm like, "All right, I'm gonna go check on it." So I go to go in the back door of the house, and there's a massive turkey stuck inside my fence, just running around. And obviously my dogs are watching it out the window, freaking out, like, let me out there. I want a piece of that. But, you know, turkeys are vicious. Dude, it's so too bad you're not a hunter. Like, your freezer would be stocked in your own yard. Dude, there's 30 turkeys not 100 feet from me right now in the field out back just chilling deer at dusk we'll go and stand on the back porch and there'll be eight nine ten deer standing out there eating all the little babies and the mommies and the whole thing the wife throws apples to them i got a bow though there you go coming around yeah i got a matthews compound bow sweet yeah i've always wanted to learn to shoot a bow you know what i mean like i'm a pretty good shot with a rifle but that's that's a lot easier than a bow. A bow oh, yeah. takes actual skill. Yeah. And my buddy was like, I got this sick bow. You want to trade it for that piece of shit go-kart you've got? And I was like, yes, I do. Matthews is a good one, too. Yeah. So he gave me the bow. I gave him the, it, like, I was going to put it on my front lawn and put homemade death trap on the sign for, you know, 200 bucks or whatever. The go-kart? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the thing was sketchy. <laughs> Man, that buoy you're working on is is really cool. 
I appreciate that, man. Yeah. I am so stressed on that knife. Like that I got to add had to be a nightmare to file. I probably got six hours in it. Oh man. It's a half inch thick. I mean, I've I'd, never tried. <clears> one thick. Have you, have yeah, you etched it yet? Huh? Have you etched it yet? I etched a, so that came off a bigger axle I dug out of the ground. Right. That looks, looks like it's been under the ground for a hundred years. It probably has. And so I had to cut it into bolster shape with my angle grinder and wrought iron cuts weird. Like it get it gets hot and it stops cutting. I don't know. Maybe it was just the discs, but my diamond diamond discs didn't want to cut it for shit. So, but that took forever and then flattening it and drilling the holes and then filing it. So it fit. And yeah, I don't know if I'll do it. First ever wrought iron from, uh, Maritime Knife Supply. I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to do my first go. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> got to throw it out there when we hear the word. That's right. He's got some big old chunks too. Yeah, really cool stuff. I got some round and some square bar. I'm gonna try and forge out a couple guards out of it and see what I can do. But that was a thick piece you filed out, and I saw you didn't have a mill. I went, oh boy, I don't. I don't envy that experience. Dude, that was all I drilled <laughs> holes. So the tang of the knife's three sixteenths. So I drilled eighth inch holes, marked where the tang was gonna be, and then filed the rest. Oh my gosh. And uh yeah. I bent a couple files because like you're fucking leaning into it. You know what I mean? And like you kinda want it to flare out towards the tang mm-hmm. so that you've got more room and epoxy can sit in there or whatever and yeah, I don't know if I'll do another one. Now I got to shape it too, so that's no big deal. Do it on the grinder, but what if I fuck it up? Do you already have a design for it? Yeah, I've got a paper template. I'm going to tape onto it or glue on, and go by that. Slow and steady. Yep. Right. I've never worked with wrought iron at all. Never even had a piece of it in my shop. Now this is my first as well. It drills easy enough. It grinds easy. You know, it's it's like working with a mild steel. But even mild steel sucks when it's thick. Yeah, especially the hand file. Mm-hmm. Brass isn't some... even that fun. No, it's no. not. <laughs> I, I tend to stay away from doing metals in my handle because, like, they get hot when you're shaping it and the epoxy fails and they're, like, they're just a pain for me. But I do love how they look. Like you put a nice copper spacer in there. Absolutely. Mm. Adds a nice little pop. I've tried brass liners on two different knives and uh, they've stuck great, shaped scales, put them on the knife. And as soon as I start grinding, they pop. And I mean, try to be careful, go slow, new belts. I scuff them up real good. I was told to try super glue. Super glue for the lot for the uh, brass to the handle material and uh, should stick better than epoxy, but I haven't tried it yet. That's interesting. What's epoxy's failure point? It's fairly low. It's like two hundred and something degrees before it gets soft again on a grinder. Yeah, well, I know you can. uh, With the epoxy I used, you can boil it to get the scales off. I've done that one time before. Huh? Because boiling water, that's not going to mess with the temper of the knife. You know, it's not hot enough to do anything to the steel. But it'll break that epoxy down and make it all snotty, or you can pry it apart. It's a mess and it's gross, but 
It works. <laughs> I do what you got to do. Yeah. So, Ryan, I got a question for you. Not knife-related at all. I got a uh, riding lawnmower. You're the guy for that, right? What's the oh, easiest yeah. fucking way to get the tires off the rims? I done tried pry bars and breaker bars and all kinds of shit. There's got to be a trick. To, like, you've done a tire break, before. To, to break the bead? Well, no, I broke the bead with the axe. It's broke. Uh, oh, just getting the tire off the rim? Just getting it off of there. <laughs> Dude, they fuck, it fucking sucks, man. <laughs> Dude, I had two four-foot pry bars trying to work around it, and it's just not wanting to pop off. The first side is always the harder side. Um, lube the shit out of it. Dawn dish soap, spray lube, whatever you can spray on there. Mm-hmm. And then you, I use vice grips. And you get the lip started, hook vice grips on the rim so that it can't slide back over. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. And then you, you move the pry bars out about an inch, flip it a little bit more over the rim. until Once you get it past the halfway point, it slips right off. And then the bottom side, you can just stand on the rim and rip the tire off. But, dude, tires suck, man. Yeah. They suck. I got two I'm trying to pull off, one front and one back. Why, because they're flat? Well, yeah. So, I don't know, six months or so ago, I've got a John Deere riding mower. That's what I cut my yard with, all that stuff. I found one on Craigslist for free. And, I mean, all four tires are flat. But I'm like, man, it's the exact same model I have. Like, why not pick that thing up? And I got one for parts. And I've already had to use it one time. My shift linkage, that the thing that engages the belt when you, you know, engage the belt. The, yeah, the manual PTO. Yeah. So there's a little aluminum piece up under there, and it broke. It looks like cast aluminum or pop metal or something. And Chinesium. It, yeah. That thing just fucking broke. And I was cutting grass, and all of a sudden it just quit cutting. I'm like, well, that's fucking weird. Maybe I broke a belt. That was the first thing that popped in my head. I broke the, you know, the deck belt. But it was that little piece. Went over there and got the other one. Good to go. But have you seen that video on uh, Facebook? Sure, everybody's seen it. They tie a tire to a chain and run it through a culvert pipe up underneath the driveway, and they pull mm-hmm. it through, and it, it cleans out the culvert pipe. And on the other side, it comes out looking like this big greasy turd. Because it's like all wet clay and shit. Well, I've got some culvert pipes I need to clean out. And I'm like, well, shit, i got four flat tires sitting right there. Let's try that. Yeah, keep in mind they're only two-ply, and they were using a car tire. Yeah, well, the culvert, like the one I'm going to do on, i got to do it Tuesday. It's only nine inches inside diameter. Okay. So that's the reason I'm thinking, you know, little bitty mower tire. Because I definitely don't want to break it. It's a concrete pipe. That's, we're going to try it. That ought to work. My plan is to take like a piece of 20-foot PVC pipe and hook my chain to it. You know, a chain's got a hook on one end of it. Put the hook of the chain inside the pipe and push it through to get it, you know, all the way through the pipe and then wrap the tire and pull it back. Guys here use a rebar. What, to so push? Like, yeah, to like pilot the hole so you get like – if you got like a 20 foot culvert, you got to pull out. They take a 25 foot piece of rebar, thin stuff, you know, yeah. half in, and they slide it along the pipe in there. And then they hook everything up and pull it back through. Well, you actually will have rebar on that job too. So that's an option. 
I was just yeah. thinking the the little PVC pipe, you know, just because it's got a hole in the end of it. Just push the chain right on through. Yeah, that might work too. So I guess with the rebar, I'd have to push you it all the hook, way through. Hook you the, hook, yeah, you hook the chain and then pull the chain back through using with the, the rebar. rebar. Yeah, yeah, that would work. It's going to be fun. I'm excited just to try it, see if it works. You should take a video. It's going to be like a, a giant poop. Oh, I'm definitely taking a video. <laughs> but I just hope I don't break that pipe. The drainage ditch around my house goes into a culvert that goes under the road, and we had to do that to it last year. What, did you use a tire? No, my neighbor has, like, a special tool. It looks kind of like an anchor, and it just grabs all the shit and pulls it out with it. Yeah, I could see yeah. that working. You, you, it expands to, like, different sizes of pipe. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, the, the anchors that fold up on themselves like towards the rope if you got it sitting on the boat Mm -hmm. if you put it into the pipe like that it can only go out as far as the pipe walls yeah that probably works really good yeah now i might go to walmart and see if i can find a little small expandable boat anchor (laughs) never know it might work they have a marine department yeah they do Oh, Donnie's on drink number two, huh? How you feeling, bud? Oh, I'm good. I'm good. I just, I just <laughs> refilled a little bit. Just a little top me off. That's all. Donnie, have you ever seen that? Uh, he's got a TikTok and an Instagram page. I don't know the guy's name, but he makes different drinks and like no, tests them. Like so. people sends him in suggestions. It's no, a good I've page. I've never seen that. I think I've I seen that I'd... before where they mix like two things and say it tastes like something else. Yeah, like one episode, he mixes Fireball whiskey with Flaming Hot Mountain Dew, and Ew. like people send him in suggestions for drinks, and then he makes them and rates it, like if it's good or not, one through ten. Has anybody tried the Flaming Hot Mountain Dew? No, I have not. Uh, I just I just saw Ben Snur say it was terrible, but that was I haven't even seen it in the store. Or How could that be good? I've seen it, it but there's no way I'd waste two dollars on that. No, I saw it at Dollar General the other day. Uh, if I see it, I'm probably going to have to try it. Oh, gross. I'm a, I like orange soda and Diet Dr. Pepper. I really drink uh, almost nothing but Topo Chico when it comes to uh, carbonated stuff. What's Topo, Topo Chico? Chico? It's, uh, it's basically seltzer water from Mexico. Uh, did you but, have that for the first time on the private jet on the way to hang out no, with Snoop? No, our farmer up in Georgia <laughs> got me hooked on that. It's become hard to find. Yeah. Well, it doesn't sound very, uh, I don't know. I've never heard of it. Who knows, man? Mexico doesn't have all the regulations we do. It could be awesome. We've got a grocery store here that's like a podunk-ass grocery store, and they sell like all the the off-brands and bootleg stuff, but they've got Mexican Coca-Cola in a glass bottle. And damn if that don't taste different. It's so good. Oh, it's definitely different. I'm not even a huge Coke fan, but that one is good. Mm-hmm. I wonder if it's got that extra old school zing to it. I don't think no. so. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> I don't really get a pick me up from it, but it, it's got a good taste. It just clicked Doesn't in my head. I should get get one of those and make a Coke float. Do it. That'd be good. That'd be a win for sure. Dude, I've never been to Mexico. 
but everything I've ever tasted that came out of Mexico is awesome. Yeah, especially tacos. Yeah, those people know how to make some good tasting shit. Absolutely. Shout out to the Mexicans. Down here in Homestead, (laughs) uh, Florida, you've got plenty of uh, Mexican restaurants, and they are all excellent. Best Mexican food I ever had came out of a truck in California. Yeah. Guy couldn't speak a lick of English. You pointed at the menu, mm-hmm. and he whipped it up. It was a burrito, and it like it was fucking huge. But some of the best Mexican I've had has been on job sites. Like when it comes lunchtime, like ten or fifteen of them will pile up under a pine tree and whip out a hot plate, and it takes like fifteen minutes, and they've got enough food to feed thirty people. Damn, and it is so good. Yeah, we do it at the packing house all the time. I don't cook anything there. They, I let them handle it, <laughs> and it is good. I love uh, Americanized Chinese food. Oh, yeah. Because our Chinese food is obviously not the food they eat in China. It's Americanized for us fat fucks. Yeah, give me all the MSGs. East Coast Americanized Chinese food. West Coast Chinese food can fuck right off. Hmm. Their pizza, too. The only place I found in California that had good pizza, everything they had out there was, like, tomato, pesto, basil, fucking hipster pizza. It's garbage. It's garbage. You know, I come from the Northeast. The only place out there that I found that had good pizza was a place called Papa Murphy's, and it was a take-and-bake. And I think it's, like, a franchise chain. But they hand you a raw pizza, and you take it home and bake it. Huh. Which, and it was awesome. We had it all the time. I lived an hour away from the closest store out there. So Papa Murphy's was perfect for me, too, because if I got a cooked pizza, it'd be garbage by the time I got home. That reminds me, we got a place in Tifton when I'm up there, right down the street from where, I, where I'm staying. It's called Stripling's. And, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, you know about that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, you got to remember, Tifton's only like 40 minutes south of where I'm at. Okay. Well, the the butcher there, the meat department is, I mean, prime steaks, everything, anything you want. They've got it. But in the freezer section, they've got chicken pot pies and beef pot pies. And I'm a chicken pot pie guy. That's my thing. So I I grabbed one. I was going to check out. And I looked at the price tag on it. And it was $40 for one chicken pot pie. Like a family-sized casserole? It was the size of a pie, like an apple pie that you would see. Oh, wow. would feed quite a few people, but I, I put that back down faster than you would believe. Yeah, that's higher than draft pussy. <laughs> <laughs> the, the striplings that you're talking about, is that the one that's like on the frontage road right next to the interstate? Yeah, it's it's on exit 64, I think. They got like right the, the big-ass uh, metal pigs that are actually smokers and stuff outside? Mm, I don't think so. That's Carol's. That's up by uh, exit 82 where I get off for work. But Stripling, it has a gas station out front. It's brand new. Okay. Mm-hmm. Might not have been to that one. Probably have, but don't remember. But anyway, yeah, next I, time you're this close, dude, we got we to gotta get together. Yeah, I'll be there in October for sure. We're going to start being soon. So, t- all right, this is something that I kind of know about you but kind of don't. I know you're in the produce business, and you say you're in Georgia while you're picking squash and picking beans, whatever. I know damn well you're not out on your knees, like, pulling beans off a vine. Like, what does no. Mr. Dulovich do for a day job, day-to-day? Like, what's going on there? I mean, you're not selling watermelons at the street corner. No, right now I sell, 
I sell for flavor first. I mean, we sell green beans, squash, pickles, zucchini. Um, but I'm basically in an office at the packing house most days. I do go to the fields here and there just to, you know, check out the crops and see what we have coming. But mostly I'm on the phones. Uh, I'm out at the line where we're running stuff, making sure the quality is right, that we're putting into the box. But we sell to, you know, Walmart, Publix, Kroger, all the big grocery stores. So we're moving truckloads of stuff most days. And uh, it's a lot of hours, a lot of traveling. You know, you travel with the season. So mm-hmm. down here in Homestead, it's it's a six, seven-month season. But up in Georgia, it's eight weeks in the spring and six weeks in the fall. And I usually don't have any days off when I'm up there. That's why it's been so tough to yeah. get up to your shop. Yeah. Do, do you have a hookup on pickles? Oh, when I'm down in Homestead, for sure, we grow our own. No, they're not pickled. They're just fresh pickling cucumbers. We made our uh, own pickles. Uh, we made our own pickles for the first time about a month ago. And, I mean, we grew pickling cucumbers this year. And we just, our first set of vines died off. We just replanted because we should have enough time before the first frost comes through to get another crop. Man, I kind of snuck in the pickle jar a little early. I mean, they're not all the way ready yet. But damn, if they ain't already got the crisp and they got a good flavor, I'm excited to dig into them. We got like, I want to say 15 quart-sized jars full of pickles. The crisp especially. When you put fresh out of your garden, yeah. they're not old from the grocery store. It's different. Yeah. The next batch we're going to do a little different because we learned last batch, this is the first time we've ever done it. So we're kind of following like, you know, homestead tutorials on the internet you know the old school stuff not no youtube hipster stuff but you're supposed to pickle them the day you pick them Mm -hmm. we didn't do that we picked over the course of about a week a week and a half and just put them up you know we wrapped them up in paper towels and put them in the pantry where it's dark so some of them were a week or so old when we actually pickled them so next time we're going to try to keep them all on the vine and pick them together but that's kind of hard to do because they start turning yellow and they say once that happens, they're no good. Yeah, if you refrigerate them, they should be okay for a while. A week is pretty old for a pickle. Um, we we put them in wood crates and then put ice on top and let the ice melt down through the box to keep them hydrated because that's the thing. They dry out and they shrivel. They get soft. Yeah. So if you can keep them hydrated and cold, that's the that's the biggest key. Yeah, all the ones that turned yellow we fed to the ducks. Ducks love cucumbers. <laughs> well, I guess they're pickles, just unpickled pickles, but we were calling them cucumbers until we cut them and pickled them. Tell you, speaking of pickles, Rob's Wildwood sent me one time with a with a big box of scales I ordered. He sent me these pickles from Texas called Fickle Pickles, and I'm addicted now. I have to keep ordering them. They're, they're pricey, but they're the best pickles I've ever had. Well, damn, all he's ever sent me is peppermints. Yeah, that's what I normally get, but this was a big shit in the scale. <laughs> he does always throw a bunch of peppermints in that box, don't he? Absolutely. <laughs> he started following me the other day. I was honored. He's a great guy. Man. Yeah. I, I checked my phone, and I was like, oh, Rob's Wildwood? Man, I must be doing something right. That's a good dude. He's tall. Yeah, he He's super freaking he tall. Got to be 6'4", six, 6'5". Six, yeah. Mm-hmm. I would not have guessed that. But, yeah, he's a big dude. That's how Instagram goes. You don't see anybody until you go to Blade Show. We always thought Pickle was tall. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just always had this feeling that, that, you know, he's probably kind of tall. Then we met him at Blade, and apparently his brother's tall. He got, oh, okay. he got the short jeans, what he told me. I'm He's six still foot. recognizable. Yeah, I'm six foot. Yeah, I'm not tall. I'm not short. I'm only 5'10". Right I'm almost six foot with my cowboy boots on. I'm probably closer to 5'10 because I slouch wicked bad. Yeah. Like a caveman. I like when you say wicked. For some reason, that cracks me up. <laughs> very, very northeast. Yeah. Like <laughs> He's wicked smart. Wicked smart, Bob. Yeah, <laughs> there it is. That's that down east dickering. Yeah. Jason, you got any blades in the works? I do. I got some um, finishing up. I've got two. I got three open orders left, and I'm on the downhill slide of all three of them. It's just a matter of getting time to finish them up, man. And I've talked to everybody that, that are, that's still waiting. And, like, my longest one's like two months. So it's not like it's a long time, but for me, I'm not used to that. So I'm texting people like, hey, man, I'm so sorry, and trying to explain myself, and everybody's super cool. But I just I feel like a dick, you know what I mean? Because I've already been paid for all of them. And it's just one of those things where I feel like I, I'm probably at a normal pace right now when it comes to a custom knife. Mm-hmm. But it's not my old pace because I'm not in the shop you know, eight or 10 hours a day. So I just feel bad. So if you're listening, I do feel bad. I've already told you because I've talked to everybody, but hopefully I'll get all these done soon. And then I'm going to do a deep, deep, deep clean on my shop. I'm going to reorganize everything. I'm going to draw one knife and I'm going to make it. And it's going to be one at a time, whatever I feel like doing. That's that's really what I want to get to after Christmas. I'm going to do some batches to get some stock for Christmas because obviously we all get run over for Christmas business. But after that, I want to try some some hidden tank stuff, some some buoys, yeah, and uh, you know just something different. Try to try to progress a little past the full tank chef knife. Yeah, I want to try different things too. And that's another thing is you know when you're covered up with orders, you know I could go down there. At 10 o'clock at night and try to finish up these orders. But if you're not feeling it, you know what I mean? You're either going to mess something up. Or you're going to get hurt. You yeah. kind of got to be in the zone and it's hard to be in the zone on 10 different knives for me. It is anyway. So when I finish up all this stuff, I'm going to, it might take me six months to do one, but it's going to be one cool ass blade. <laughs> Yeah, I glued up six uh, six blades today, and that's probably the most I've ever glued up at one time. And it's the last time I'll do that. That <laughs> was stressful. Twenty four hour epoxy, I'm guessing. Absolutely, yeah. yes. And still stressful. Yeah, for sure. I hate it because no matter what, you get nasty by the third, fourth, fifth knife. Your hands are covered in epoxy because a knife two knives earlier the pin didn't want to go all the way in right off the bat and uh wow it's like you're I, describing my afternoon yeah i did six like a week ago and i was like fucking christ man i had it like up my forearms <laughs> all over my hands i had gloves on but like 
there was holes in the gloves by the time I was done. So those spots, it was just gross. Then you got to take a bath in alcohol. Yeah, every little cut you fit you got while you were making those knives because oh, yeah. you're rubbing alcohol all over yourself. Yeah, you even find ones yeah. you didn't know you had. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, I discovered not long ago. Well, kind of long ago, but if you're doing a lanyard tube, those never want to press through. Like it is a struggle to press a lanyard th- tube through. If you do anything with Kydex, you got an arbor press in your shop. That cone die in the arbor press is like a lifesaver for lanyard tubes. It just it kind of flares the top end where it's hitting, so you're not going to push it all the way through. You know, it'll stop at the scale. You just fucking get it sort of lined up and send it. I think I'm done with lanyard tubes unless somebody asks for it. I haven't done one in quite a while. I like them. I just like the look of it. They They look look cool, cool. but it adds like a whole extra step because like they're always on the edge of the knife. Yeah. You know, it's really easy to grind them into them wrong when you're shaping the handles and make them look all fucking janky. And uh, I don't know. Plus, what if you get, this is what kills me. I get epoxy in the tube and forget about it. So then the next day I come in and I've got an epoxy filled lanyard tube and I'm like, fuck. And then you got to drill it out. Uh, dude, what I do is before I even start, I get some Johnson's paste wax on a Q-tip and just slather that shit all over the place inside the tube. Oh, that's a great idea. That way if something does get in there, you just use like a little pick and just pop it right out. I like that. Yeah. Why didn't I think of that? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it works great. Everybody's got some type of wax or some type of resist of some kind laying around in the shop. I got Johnson's paste wax a couple years ago because I saw somewhere that it was a good handle finish. So I tried it on a couple. It's not for me anyway. Yeah, I've I, never tried it on a handle. I use it a lot for forge stuff, bottle openers and hooks and whatnot. Yeah. Never well, handle. Actually, I think it was, I, I want to say micarta is what I saw it being used on. Something fibrous like that. Hmm. Hmm. But it, sure, it works great for somebody, but it wasn't what I was looking for. How do you guys feel about mosaic pins? Stupid. I feel like I feel like when I first started, they were like the rage, like everybody wanted mosaic pins, but now I don't really see them. I've got a few in my pin stock, and I never use them. I never like pick them and go, oh, I'm going to use a mosaic pin today. Now, I do have custom mosaics with my logo in them. That's cool. That's cool. That I love. That's but cool. But like the, the elk head ones, or the I star. Anymore. Like, I have a few. Yeah. I, I don't really use them. They're so expensive. Yeah. Yeah. I've got you one know? that's, uh, it's not even, it's like a bunch of bars inside a lanyard tube. Does that make sense? Like a mm-hmm. whole bunch of little small dots filled with black epoxy is what it looks like. I bought that at Blade Show like four or five years ago, thinking like, oh, man, that's going to be cool. But I think I used it in one knife. Now I'm just like, that's retarded. Like, I don't even, it's stupid. Because it doesn't matter to me, the one I have, it doesn't matter how you glue it in, it's going to look crooked. It's like, it just doesn't look straight. It doesn't look like it's oriented right. That's just me. Oh no, I know I have a few. I never use them anymore. I it, like thought doesn't even cross my mind. But I like lately 
probably the last six months, nine months, I've really been using th- synthetic pins anyways. Um, I just got my first batch of a, a bunch of G10, just orange and red and mm-hmm. white, black, all kinds of different colors, and that's what I glued up today in this batch. So we'll see how I like them. It's easy to work with. I really, yeah, I really love canvas micarta pins. They're strong. They look cool because they got the grains and the waves of the canvas. Um, But you can only really get them in two colors. So it's kind of like, fuck, if I'm not making a black or a brown knife. I got some canvas micarta pins and did a knife with them. Just treating it like a regular old pen. And then I got one of those dickheads on the internet sending me a DM saying, hey, uh, just letting you know the grain in your micarta doesn't flow with your handle material. I'm like, what? The grain in my micarta pen? Like, th- shut the hell up, dude. Yeah. I've gotten those messages. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I had to go back and look at the picture. Like, I'll be damned. There is a grain pattern. I, think the I never thought time, twice about it. It's an eighth-inch fucking pin. I think the only time you should worry about it is if you're doing a matching micarta handle. Yeah. I mean, if you're using burl wood yeah. where there's no discernible flow to the grain, it's just like gnarls, who cares? Maybe match the two pins so they both go the same direction. But Mine were definitely not matched in any kind of way. But it never crossed my mind to match them. You know what I mean? I didn't think that there's going to be grain in this. But I was told there is. Which the only ones I ever buy are eighth inch. So if you can zoom yeah. in on my picture and see those eighth inch grains, then. That's exactly what mine was. Yeah, yeah see, I'm using quarter <laughs> inch. That's a little more obvious anyways. Yeah, yeah I got some eighth inch and some three sixteenths. Two of the knives that I've got going on the rack right now, I'm doing the handles today. But two of them have eighth inch and quarter inch pins. And I remembered why I hate doing eighth inch pins on these knives. Uh, I tried sixteenth like inch pins the other day, and I won't do that again. You can't put any pressure on them. You know, like a quarter inch pin, you can drive that fucker right through, yeah. and not really worry about it. I was pushing one of the eighth inch, and they're micarta, and I get it about right to the tang, and it snaps in half. And I'm like, oh. so then you got to drive it out, cut a new pin, shave it down real quick. Yeah. Yeah, what sucks. do you use for epoxy? I'm a G Flex most of me, the time. Me too. I have that Rogue, uh, the Combat Five Minute stuff, just for certain five minute applications. But ninety percent of the time, I'm G Flex twenty four hour. Yep, me too. I uh, I've tried them all, all of them. Um, next to G Flex, my favorite was BSI Bob Smith Industries. I've never tried that slow cure. Um, always slow cure. Mm-hmm. Um, seat corp's pretty good. I did have some failures with the seat corp epoxy, like while shaping handles, like you're doing like a segmented hidden tang handle and it just breaks apart in your hands because the epoxy fails. I never have those issues with uh, G flex though. Never knock on wood. I've never, besides what I told you earlier with the brass liners and stuff like that, I've never had an issue. Yeah, I let mine sit for two days, though, before I grind it, too. Oh, you're better uh, yeah. than I am. Yeah. I'm like 18 <laughs> hours, 20 hours at most, and then I'm yeah, grinding that, that handle. Even after 24 hours, I mean, you can dig into the epoxy with your thumbnail. 
and and it's still got a little bit of softness to it. If you wait an extra day, that shit's hard as a rock. I've been using some stuff too, so it's warm. Yeah, it's humid too here, big time. I always I always keep that cup of the extra epoxy, and the next day, you know, fourteen eighteen hours later, it's pretty it's pretty rock hard. Yeah, yeah. I've been using some stuff called DevCon. Yeah, I've heard of that. There's thirty. Uh, Jant sells it, right? Yep. Yeah, yep. that's the only one they sell. And I ordered it from them, and it's it's been pretty great. It's a thirty minute epoxy, so you've got probably I'd say a good ten minutes of working time on it. So it's it's not crazy fast, but you kind of got to pay attention if you're doing more than two or three blades. You know, pay attention to the time. And that shit gets hot. Like it, the little paper cups I used to mix it up in, I've actually set that on a stump outside of the shop because I don't want to throw it in the trash can with all the greasy rags and shit. Like that's how hot it gets through that cup. Wow. Yeah. But speaking of hot, did you guys see uh, Derek Melton? He left a bag of oh, trash yeah. of uh, trash bag full of boiled linseed rags on his trailer in the sun. It self ignited and burned his trailer down. Yeah. What? Yeah. Huge hole. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. It looked like probably a five by eight little utility trailer with two by six floor, burnt right through it. Enormous I've, hole. I've heard that that stuff can self ignite, but I've never seen it. That's exactly what he said in the caption. Yeah. Not until today. <laughs> yeah. I don't use it. I yeah. don't use like any finishing oils anymore. It's all. Buff to a high grit and polish. Yeah, but I'm a buff and then wax kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, me too. I used to use tongue oil and true oil and linseed oil and good lord, if it said oil, I was trying it. I, I started with true oil, and if if you can do it, it makes a really awesome finish. But it's such a pain in the dick to work with. Yeah. I mean, you, it's multiple steps, multiple layers, sanding each time. Mm-hmm. You know, if you don't let it fully cure, it'll get all weird and gummy when you apply the next layer. And, yeah, so I've got a half a bottle of it sitting on the shelf. It's still sitting there. It's probably no good. Well, if you order one bar of buffing compound from Phoenix Abrasives, <laughs> obviously if you order that, use that promo code, Hustle10, get 10% off your whole order. But that bar is going to last you the rest of your life. Like it, it really is. It's legit. And then all the money that you save from never having to buy a buffing compound again, you can put right back into your belts and save ten percent again with the Hustle Ten promo code. It's like a That's, it's like a gift that never stops giving. Just buy that buffing compound, put in the code, and you get paid back forever. Phoenixabrasives.com. <laughs> And you could put that bar of compound in a pillowcase and kill a home intruder with it. Easily, yes. <laughs> no problem. You could yeah. probably break that bar in half, use two pillowcases, and like nunchucks it and still you take could. it down. That shit's legit. I've been using the bar that I've got for four months on every single knife that I've done, and I haven't even like made a dent in it. No. Like, I kind of want to just, like, break a chunk off and throw it away so that I feel like I'm, <laughs> so It looks you know. like you've been working? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I've had mine a year and a half, and there's, like, a maybe inch-deep little trench in the end of it from where I've been hitting it on the wheel. 
and it's it's still the whole loaf of bread. And I, it's I literally use it. like a like a baguette. Yeah, like it's like three inch by three inch square by a foot long. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's heavy duty for thirteen bucks. Yeah, Phoenix saved me the other day. Um, Two twenty Rhino grit was basically out everywhere, and uh, no problem with Phoenix. Sent me two packs here in a few days. Yeah, that, their shipping is crazy fast. Crazy. Well, Greg, he goes to the post office every day. He I jumped. always think of them for belts, but. Yeah. Well, they got anything, like, abrasive-related. That's all right. Belts and Scotch-Brite and disc grinder wheels and all kinds of other shit. Peeling sticks and all of it. I just realized this episode comes out on my birthday. Really? Oh, shit. Mm-hmm. Happy birthday. Yeah. Yep. We said it first. Number 37. Mine Hell just yeah. passed on the fourth. Same month. No, well, happy late birthday. Oh, I did tell you happy birthday. I, I never mostly shot a post out asking for maritime knife supply gift cards for my birthday. <laughs> Maybe you'll get a pile of them. That'd be pretty cool if you did. I doubt I'm going to get any, but I was sitting in the shop and I was like, man, I need steel. I need liners. I need all kinds of stuff. Just taking an inventory of what I've got. And I'm like, shit, I don't have any money. Yeah, there's that. (laughs) I'll I'll send a post out. Maybe somebody will give me some shit for my birthday. Maybe so. You never know. Dude, it adds up quick, man. Once you like Once you start really making like more than one knife at a time. Hell yeah, it does. When I first started, I'd buy one piece of, like, my Carta liner or G10 liner. I'm like, I'm good for a year. Yeah. You know what I mean? And now it's I'm burning through it faster than I ever thought I would. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when I first started actually buying stabilized handle material, I'm like, oh, my God, $30. Okay, well, maybe I can get two knives worth out of this. You can't. I mean, unless you're doing, like, a steak knife or something, then you can, but... Then it got to the point very quickly where it's like, hey, Rob, uh, okay, 800 bucks, cool. And, I mean, I've, I've had plenty of those, and it doesn't take long to go right through it. Yeah, I had a drawer full of Rob's Wildwood that I thought I would never finish. Mm-hmm. And after this batch, it's, it's time to order. Yeah. I mean, it's no big deal. When I first went full-time, or I guess when I first started feeling like full-time – was doing pretty good was out because you know i didn't go full-time on purpose but when i first started feeling like it was going pretty good i kind of calculated things and i spent like three thousand dollars between steel and handle material and belts and all that shit in one month's time wow and i mean after getting paid for the blades i didn't make a whole bunch more than that you know what I mean? <laughs> it, it feels cool. Like you feel like you're doing something good when you call and put in a, you know, eight, $900 order. You're like, Oh shit, this is the big times now. And that 900 bucks turns around and gives you 903. Yeah. But yeah, it is what it is. Which I've, I'm still, you know, I've barely made over a hundred knives at this point. So, those those pot drawers full of Rob's Wildwood seem like forever, but starting to do batches now, so yeah. they go a lot quicker. I have no clue I, how many I've made. I got real lucky 
scoring that block of my card because I've been able to trade that for trade pieces of that for you know trade I trade block for block for stabilized wood if somebody wants to or whatever. Um, and I, I've been really fortunate that I scored that because that's really helped a lot because handle material other than steel and abrasives is your number one overhead. I think that's probably number one. when If you start going into that high-end stabilized burls and dyed burls, I mean, $30, yeah. $40 a pop. Yeah, 50 bucks for a block. Easy. Yeah. yeah. You go to Blade Show, you can really stock up a little cheaper, but if you start ordering them one by one online, they're, they're up there. Yeah. You, really, the only way to do it, if you, if you can't trade for it or stabilize it yourself – is you've got to buy it in bulk and you've got to talk to the guy making it and be like, Hey, will you give me a deal if I spend 250 bucks? Right. You know, we kick in an extra block, something like that. Cause most guys will, you know, cause you know, that means you'll come back the next time. Absolutely. Yeah. But I, uh, I've got my first batch of blocks through my pressure pot and all baked up and it, makes a huge difference. Using That's super cool. I've, I've never tried to stabilize anything myself. I've wanted to just so you could do some local type woods and stuff like that, but it, it, I'll get there. I'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. It, I mean, burls are abundant here. I, I've got probably 60 pounds of really nice cherry burl. Like cherry burl is so abundant here that I've turned it away because wow. people are like, "Oh, you want a cherry burl?" Not really, dude. I've got three. <laughs> up, I've got three upstairs drying. I got sixty pounds already, like slabbed up and ready to use on handles. And then I got that maple burl, and we'll be slabbing that up probably next weekend whenever he's got time. So I've got it lobbed up enough to where I, I can muscle it into the back of my Subaru. But. That'll be cool. Yeah. It's kind of weird. Around here, people that drive Subarus, like if you see a Subaru in Georgia, every time you're like, that guy's a fucking weirdo. And 99% of the time, you're right. Like they are just off in the head. (laughs) They're wearing flip-flops with socks on and shit. Oh, yeah. Jesus shoes, the whole nine. Like they're just like weird-ass people. I don't know why. But when I started going to North Carolina, Subarus are crazy popular there. But it's because they're all-wheel drive. Yep. So, you know, then I realized not all Subaru people are weird. Just Georgia Subaru people are weird. The (laughs) the Subaru fanboys are weird. The people who wear Subaru underwear. People like myself who drive a Subaru because they're cheap to maintain, they're simple, they're reliable, and they're all-wheel drive. That's a different breed. If you wear underwear of any vehicle make, you're weird. Yes. Agreed. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Jason, speaking of Georgia vehicles, the remote-controlled spotlight on top of trucks. (laughs) The only state I've ever seen this, and they're everywhere. Yep. Everywhere. Okay. Screams poacher. Yes. Yes. I'm going to say disclaimer. That's what it's for. There's a lot of planted pines in Georgia. Planted pines are planted in rows. The vertical rows are wide enough to fit a pickup truck through. And the opposite direction rows 
can pick up four-legged traffic. <laughs> <laughs> and once they see the light, you know, it's just all all freezer from there. I've obviously God. never done that before in my life. Never. But, you know, just hear stories around. Exactly. Rumors. Yeah. Do they set up decoys down there? No. Like here the game wardens will put up like a, a realistic decoy in the back of a field and wait for somebody to try and poach it. Oh, like a robo deer from the cops. Yeah. And like somebody will hop out, they'll try and shoot it or they will shoot it. And then the game wardens will swarm them. And game wardens here have a shitload of power. They can take the shirt off your back. Wow. Oh, they like, do here like too. A, they can walk in your house and check your freezer. Yeah, man. Really? Yeah, they'll check your freezer. They'll take your truck. Yeah. If they like, if they think your truck was used in the crime, they'll seize your vehicle. They'll seize the gun you used. Mm-hmm. They'll seize the shirt off your back and the shoes you were wearing. Like they, they really can. Yeah, the same here, dude. They are. They got all the power. They don't yeah, need they no got warrant. More power here than the state police. They do not they need more. a warrant of any kind. If they suspect you of poaching. They can walk right in your house, and if they find deer meat in your freezer, they can put you in jail, take every bit of that meat until you justify how you got it. Yeah, here when, like you, like let's say you shoot a moose and you have it taken care of at a place that does that, packages up the moose for you, they stamp it with like mm. their state ID number, the date it was shot, the date that they packaged it up and then what it was for an animal yeah, they don't do that here like i've got a pile of deer meat in my freezer and i process all my own meat so i mean we don't take it anywhere to have it stamped now i do yeah. have a hunting license and i do have deer tags so when i kill a deer no matter where it's at you know i take a tag but in georgia we can kill 12 does and two bucks so it's not like we're going to run short on tags if we, you know, want to fill the freezer up. Yeah. Here we have tags also. If you decide that you want to butcher your own meat, you have to write your tag number on the packaging. Oh, wow. So the, whatever the tag number was that you sh- used to shoot the deer, that tag number goes on the packaging. And then if it's ever in question, they can calculate how much of that deer was either eaten or is not legit. If you shot a 500-pound buck and you've got a 1,000 pounds with that same tag number on it, that looks a little fishy. That's when you got to find your buddy with a big deep freezer and y'all got to put 500 pounds a piece in there. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, that was just at my house. They're heading to yours. Toss all of it now. <laughs> Again, I've never done anything like that before. I went to high school with a guy that got caught a night hunting. The only thing you can shoot here at night is coyotes. Mm-hmm. And he was in deep shit. And the only thing that saved him was he was a minor. Oh, wow. Yep. So his parents had to spend a lot of money in lawyer fees. And they seized his truck. They seized the rifle he was using, which belonged to his dad. Like, yeah. Dumb, dumb. Yeah. Back in the day, I mean, that was that was the thing. I remember riding around with my stepdad and him randomly just slamming on the brakes, getting his bow out from the behind the truck seat and getting out and trying to shoot a bow in the middle of the day and kill a deer. Like, <laughs> I'm sure that wasn't legal then either. I, it probably wasn't. He was a piece <laughs> of shit. But 
dude, I had an uncle one time. I'll never forget this memory till the day I die. He had a blue and white uh, Chevy conversion van. So it had like the couch and all that shit in the back of it. It was like a camper, but it was a full-size van. And me and my papa was riding around the dirt roads with him. And I was in the back just, you know, being young and cool. I was probably 10 or 12 years old. And we're riding down the dirt road, and all of a sudden, slam on the brakes. And my uncle reached down. He pulled off, pulled up a 357 with a 10-inch barrel. And he hung it out the window, and boom! And then he turned around and started laughing his ass off. He's like, I got that son of a bitch right between the eyes. <laughs> and sure as shit, we got out and walked up to that deer, and he shot it from the road probably 50 yards away right between the eyeballs with a pistol. Oh, nice. That was the coolest, and especially as a little kid, you know, you're like, oh, my God. The boom scared the shit out of me, but now, you know, I just watched Uncle Joe sniper a deer. That was pretty neat. Any Anytime I ever see a long-barreled revolver, all I can think of is the Michael Keaton Batman, where oh, the Joker pulls. Dirty Harry, for sure. No, yeah, me too. No, I've never seen Michael a Batman, Batman movie. Where the Joker pulls out that revolver that's got like a 36-inch barrel on it. <laughs> That sounds movies cool. Are, huh? I said, that sounds cool. I've never seen a Batman movie. You've never watched a Batman movie? Mm-mm. None of them? None of them. Never seen Spider-Man. Yes. My kids get on me all the time. It's like, oh, you ain't even seen the old ones? I'm like, no. <laughs> Dude. He also doesn't watch South Park, so. Uh, yeah. I, mean, I guess I just grew out of cartoons. Yeah. Dude, there's no growing out of South Park. It's not for kids. Well, no, it's <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. Uh, Mr. Slave sticks Paris Hilton up his ass. <laughs> the and Honey she Boo had, Boo episode? The Honey Boo Boo episode, oh Lemmy Winks. Oh, my God. Where the teacher's assistant, Mr. Slave, puts the class hamster in his butt, and the class hamster goes on an adventure through the gay man's ass. Uh-huh. Maybe I'm just not a fan of gay man's asses. Dude, it's hilarious, man. <laughs> South Park's the best show ever made. Uh, I have to agree with you. It's the best show ever made. Oh, man. But Genius. talking about Batman. I thought he was going to say talking about buttholes. Don't, <laughs> go back and watch the Michael Keaton, Danny DeVito Batman, where Danny DeVito plays the Penguin. Does it's from the eight, late eighties, early nineties. So like your homophobia won't get triggered and, you, and it'll be an, it's fucking one of the best ones, man. That and the Arnold Schwarzenegger, Mr. Freeze. Yes. That's my where, favorite. Where Uma, Uma Thurman played uh, poison Ivy. Yeah, Jim Carrey was the Riddler. It's good stuff. I'm going to take your yeah, word back. for it. What I want to know though, is Jason, do you have the patrons listed out on paper today? No, <laughs> but I do have them in digital form. So is it time? I think it's time. Oh my God. For the Maritime Knife Supply Patreon Spotlight. We're going to go through the whole list and we're going to start with the original Patreon. The first person ever to sign up with Patreon and give us some money and go through to the newest people. And then we're going to randomly pick a number. And then we're going to count on a screen how many people it takes to get to that number because they're not on paper yet. <laughs> so if anybody listening wants to like write a name down and pause it and go through the list and then take a picture of it 
and send it to me. That'd be cool because apparently I'm not going to do it. All right. So old school guy, Donnie Dulovich. Hey. Knife material, dot AT. Aru Blade Works. Our short fat friend, Brigham Kendale. Mark LeBlanc. Mark Vanderwerf. Richard at Beck's Armory. Todd Harrington at TH Blades. Dennis Tyrell. Trox Claire Custom Cutlery. Zachary Sowell at Pater Nostri Fabrica. The Man, Lawrence Lake at Maritime Knife Supply. Dustin Driver at Driver Defense Knives. Noah Bloomberg, Crafty Man Forge. Brian Henningkamp at Tortuga Blade Works. Jared at Echo Blades. Eric Andrews at Sourwood Creations. Bremner Built Knives. Snake Branch Knife Works. Darren at Stormlight Forge. Chris Magnus at Timber Tiger Forge. And Eduardo Soul is our newest Patreon this week. Ed Soul on Instagram, I believe, is what it is. Oh, thanks, Ed. So that makes uh, makes twenty three people that enjoy our voices in their ear holes. And if you want to get on that list, just go to patreon.com and type in Hustle and Grind Podcast. And for as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep up the the operating cost of the show. So, number one through 23, generate 21. Now, let's go back and see who's number 21. 23, 22. Darren at Stormlight Forge. We haven't done him before, have we? I don't think so. I don't know. Maybe we have. Maybe. Uh, no, we have not because his shit is beautiful and I would remember. Oh, yeah. We ain't seen this before. Damn. Making some rings. Bro, killing it. Uh, and he's showing off. Copper mask and screwdriver. Come on, dude. Andy's a fellow mechanic. Man. Yeah, he's killing it. Dude. Lots of like Makumi the, like the forging reels. Yeah, he's uh there's not a piece of mono steel in his shop. <laughs> That twisted well, stuff is cool. Dude, yeah. if you if you need like a test pilot for one of those uh twisted screwdrivers, man, I'd be happy to review one for you. <laughs> Just send me a DM and I'll give you my address. That bitch is bad. Dude, I'll trade you some Mike Carter for some Makume that I can use as like bolsters and stuff. Dude, I I love this screwdriver. Test etch on the first copper mask screwdriver. That is freaking cool. Is this uh, is this up towards the top? Because I did not see that. Uh, it was on August 29th, the one I'm looking at. Okay. Damn, boy, he's making something for Pickle. I don't know what it is. Oh, Pickle's it been is. crushing it lately, too. He has. He's been on fire since he got that press. This isn't Pickle's time to shine. That's true. <laughs> That's true. I am very sorry, Stormlight Storm Forge. You're cool, Pickle, but you're not on the list. <laughs> Stormlight is using some hemp wood. The copper chopper. <laughs> I like what you did there. <laughs> yeah, dude, he oh, is. Yeah, dude. Like, just, I don't even know what to say about it. Y'all just got to go look at it. Like, go look at, at there and at Stormlight Forge. And you too will be like, damn. Holy fuck. Yeah. 
Super. I gotta, cool. I gotta try some of this Makume Gani. That's the so far out of my wheelhouse, but that is that is cool stuff. I'm pretty sure the forging temp for that stuff is low enough where I could do it in my oven. Pretty yeah, I sure. Think, I think so. I think you're right. People, guys are doing it with quarters. Yeah, they're just taking stacks of U.S. quarters and tying them together and smashing them until they look cool. Yeah, I just had a local guy here who doesn't have an oven yet. He came over to heat treat some stainless today, and he said he's been doing that out of his Amazon Forge. So those things don't get super hot. I'm sure you could do it out of your oven. So, yeah, check out Darren and Stormlight. And obviously, go to Maritime Knife Supply. Check out everything that Lawrence has to offer, which is a lot. If you need it, he's got it. Yeah, I mean, he presses, anvils, forges, everything. Like, he's got it. Uh, let me check something, because I think Stormlight Forge is booked to be on the show. No yeah. shit. I booked, like, six people, <laughs> and then I didn't write any of them down. So I, I keep having to go back into me and Jason's messages. Because I sent Jason the list. I'm also not very organized with some stuff. I apologize. I didn't know Donnie was on today until he texted me last night. It was like, hey, this is my email address. Ryan said you need it. And my wife was like, who's that? Texting you so late. I was like, I don't fucking know. Looked at my phone. I said, oh, it's Donnie D. She's like, oh, tell him I said hey. (laughs) I didn't forget. He is the October 2nd episode. Nice. So that'll air on the fourth. I'll be right in Georgia. Hell yeah, so, Donnie. Next time you're in Georgia, his brain on how to do Makume. If if you're in Georgia on a Sunday, and you've got a few minutes around four o'clock, hit the interstate. I'm about eight minutes off of seventy five. Now that I know you record around four, that'll be perfect. Yeah, I do. I do work Sundays, but I'm usually off around noon, one o'clock. So that yeah. gives me time to get up to your place. Yeah, and if, whether we got a, a guest on the show or not, we'll have an extra. There's four seats right. in this studio right here, so that'd be cool as shit. I'll, I'll do it. I'll make sure it happens. Hell yeah! I was really excited to get into your shop and you know make a knife with you or work on some steel, but. After hearing about all the guys that have come to your shop lately and died immediately after. <laughs> well, they're all old. They were the all studio. pretty old. But <laughs> my shop's only five minutes from here. Okay. So, okay. yeah. You guys could sit down and watch an episode of South Park together. I took That's the true. TV out of the shop. I'll give them a good one. <laughs> like uh, the Butters is a Pimp episode. Yes. That's oh a great one. Uh, great. The que- The Queef episode. Queef episode is great. It's like I wear a girl, a girl in school queefs on butters, and it puts them in the hospital so that Randy and Stan Marsh uh, petition the local government to ban queefing. The medicinal fried chicken <laughs> episode? Oh yeah, the medicinal. <laughs> <laughs> they, put, they put a weed store where the KFC used to be, so all the dads put their nuts in the microwave to give themselves testicular cancer. So that they can legally go in the weed store and buy weed. What the fuck? It's hilarious. They're bouncing they like, around on their nuts. It's, it's yeah. It's their nuts bad. are huge, so they're like carrying them in wheelbarrows or like using them like a hippity hop, like bouncing on them. I feel like I'm running <laughs> a fucking daycare. <laughs> this 
for the this, for the listeners out there, Jason looks appalled right now at this. <laughs> just a little confused. I, uh, it's hilarious. It's the best show ever made. Best show ever made. It's great. They're geniuses. They really are. Well, speaking of the best things made, if you want to make your own grinder, where'd you go to make yours, Ryan? I went to bexarmory.com. Damn right. Yeah. That's a sturdy ass machine. Like heavy duty. I was I've been using it all morning actually. Yeah. And he uses finite element analysis. So things are heavy where they gotta be and thin where they don't. So he's got that shit figured out. Like he's he's built shit for not actually no, I remembered it. That's weird that I did. Yeah, but he's he's actually designed things that are on the International Space Station as we speak. Like, if he's that smart, you know he can build a good grinder. Sometimes when I ask Richard questions, like I'll message him and be like, hey, what do you think about this? I know what you're going to say. Then we, start, we start talking about it. I feel so stupid Yep. when I'm, <laughs> when I'm talking to Richard because he's like, he, he like explains it in engineering terms. And yeah. I'm like... Like I just smoked a blunt. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not, you know, like I'm an intelligent guy. I built my oven. I can build or fix anything, but the design aspect of it is not my wheelhouse. And I'm like, uh, so is that a yes? <laughs> like, yeah. You know what I mean? And it just Love it makes guy. perfect sense in his head. Yeah, his brain is working on a different level than the rest of ours. Yeah, he's using both sides of his. Yeah. He's like Elon Musk without the Asperger's syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I know. I don't even have to ask this, but Ryan has listened to the Elon Musk episode on Joe Rogan. Both of them. Oh, yeah. I have oh, to. There's two? Yeah. He did it. He did a second one, too. I think I've only listened to the first one. Though. Yeah. But man, talk about making you feel inferior. That guy he, is just. He's he was a lot more careful on the second one. Okay, I listened to the first one then because he was not he, careful. No, he took a hit off a of blunt and it cost him yes. twenty two million dollars. <laughs> he made it back up. Yeah, he had like okay. three of his like top employees quit. They were like, "Oh, what you smoked marijuana on Joe Rogan?" And he's like, "Yeah." They're like, "We quit," and he's like, "Okay, <laughs> see ya." Yeah. You know what I love the most about Elon Musk? Is that he trolls other billionaires on Twitter? He does. He put a picture of Bill Gates next to the pregnant man emoji, and said, "If this doesn't kill your boner, I don't know what does." Oh wow, dude! He, uh, <laughs> and like, just my weird sense of humor. I see that, and I'm like, I love this guy. That's so funny. <laughs> That's like shit. Me and my buddies would send to each other. I do get a kick out of him. He. But his brain is also working on a totally different level. Yeah. He's making the most groundbreaking technology that we have out there right now. Like they're from what I understand, they're really close to a light speed engine. Really? Because that's gonna be the key to being able to colonize the solar system, specifically in Elon's mind, Mars. Hmm. Yeah. Crazy. Fucking whack job. I think by the time we're like senior citizens things are going to be crazy i mean look at our parents with phones and shit you know like 
There's Golly. more computing power in my cheap ass Walmart cell phone than they had to get to the moon. Yeah. Now, I'm only 34 and I grew up with a rotary phone. Yeah. I've got an iPhone now. So, yeah. My first cell phone was in a bag plugged into the cigarette lighter in my truck and it had a cord on it. Yeah. I could walk about maybe 12 feet away from the console of my truck, but it was cool because I could make a call on the road. Yeah. But you better make it a quick one. Because you was charged by the minute back then. <laughs> yeah. Remember the old Nokia's? Oh, yeah. Oh, indestructible. Yeah. Changeable oh, faceplates. Oh. Snake? Yeah. yeah. Oh. They're going to dig them phones up in like 10,000 years and be like, look at this technology. Oh, they're going <laughs> to it up and it's going to work. Yeah, look at this yeah. ancient relic. Yeah. <laughs> I remember all the rich kids in school, like the spoiled kids that their parents bought them cars when we got into high school. But when we were in middle school, they had all the rich kids had pagers. Oh, yeah. mm. I had a beeper. So you'd be, yeah, you'd be so sitting cool. in class and you'd just hear the beep, beep, beep. I guess I'm after. Yeah, I was after beepers. I think. Yeah. yeah. I was probably I like was seventh the- grade when I got a beeper and there was like a a, num- a numerical code for everything. Yeah. Boobies. Yeah, boobies. Oh. Lesbo. <laughs> <laughs> There's one that said, let's go to bed. Remember that? I was the age group where all the rich kids in high school had the razor flip phone. That was the status symbol. I think I my had a senior razor. year was iPhone. I think it was the original iPhone. I remember when the first iPods came out and they were like one gig. Yes. And everybody's like, you can hold a thousand songs on this thing. <laughs> one gig. That's so much memory. <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, I was working at KFC Taco Bell at the time. I was still in high school. And our boss for a Christmas bonus bought like his favorite employees iPad or iPods for Christmas. Dang. Yeah, and he got mad because like three of the guys had drug problems, so they sold them. <laughs> like, he's like, I'm never buying you guys anything again. I think I had mine the longest. That was like in the good old days of like Napster and LimeWire, where you just go mm-hmm. download free music and burn it on a CD. And you, you didn't need like no technology. You just got burnt CDs everywhere. I yeah. still have LimeWire songs on my phone that are the complete raw artist and sound terrible. And I just, it's nostalgia. I keep it. Yeah. I, I've got like a Google music library on my phone. Now I don't even know how to put music in it. Like where do you even go to download music nowadays? I have no I idea. Know. I have the YouTube music app. It's got everything ever made ever. Mm-hmm. Cause I have you like, ad, I, I pay for YouTube premium cause I do too. Dude, election Before. time, man. Yeah, you can't watch YouTube during United States elections if you don't have YouTube premium because it's friggin'. 100%. Yeah, here it's Jared Golden wants to rape your puppies and kill your wife. And like, like dude, or like Bruce Poliquin wants to kill all the babies and he hates your mom. Like, dude, I just want to watch a guy show me how to Try to figure out how to make smash burgers here. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> put in a stone patio or build a fire pit out of a propane tank. I don't That's care right. about I put a I put a sign on my mailbox that says no political fr- flyers. Cause here they send out those like thick cardboard flyers and they Does just it work? No. They still I jam them in there. Yeah. The they're piling up in the front seat of my car. It's a good fire I starters. don't know. Did what? It's a good fire starter. Yeah, 
you could use them for edge testing, I guess. Yeah. But um, does that, do they think that that works? The, you like, sharpen your knives, by the way. I use a jig. On the belt grinder? No, uh, like one of them, kind of like the TR Maker setup, but the $40 Chinese one. Like okay. a Lansky? Yeah, kind of like a Lansky, but it bolts to my bench. Nah. Um, and I replace the stones with diamond plates because the diamond plates last longer. Oh, so much longer. I just freehand yeah. on the on the grinder. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's bold. That's a bold move. Very slow. And I okay. use the I go edge up with a platen on, and I use that little little bitty space that's about half an inch between the top wheel and the platen itself. Okay. So it's very tight, but technically it's a slack belt. What do you start with, about 220? I usually start with 220, yeah, because, I mean, that's just where I finish out my micro bevel. So I'll, you know, mm-hmm. build up a burr with that. But, yeah, I just started doing it there when I first got a 272, and it felt good and came out sharp. So I'm still scared to do that. I've got the Wicked Edge, which I love. I mean, leaves a... A incredible edge on the on the knife, but it does take a while. If you're doing a batch, it's not a fast system. No, doing one chef knife on my thing it takes me a couple hours. Yeah, because you're going, but you get that nice, beautiful, crisp edge. Perfect. Like I, yeah, I find when I do it on my grinder, like one side the angle's different than the other side, so they're not even, or, like, like I can get them sharp, but they look kind of janky to me. Yeah. And it, and it makes my OCD want to flip out, so I bought the jig, because I like that nice, crisp, shiny edge. Yeah, I'm saying It way. takes forever. Mm-hmm. I think the coarsest diamond stone I have is 100 grit. I did buy the 5080 diamond stones, but I don't use it that often. Uh, I mean, I make... A lot of culinary knives. Uh, so normally a hundred grit is good enough to get a burr without taking all day. Uh, but if I'm doing a chopper or hunting knife, sometimes I'll, I'll drop down to that 80 grit or 50 grit, but yeah. not a lot. Sometimes I have to do them on the grinder, like little EDCs because of the, cl- no, well, the, the blades don't fit in the clamp on my oh, yeah. thing. Cause it's like four inches wide. Mm-hmm. So then your stone hits the clamp before it hits the blade. And mm-hmm. so, so smaller knives I have to do on the grinder. It's very nerve wracking for me. Yeah. Yeah. I've got one of those little Lansky things, but I just never have liked it. I guess because it does it take Lansky. so long. I tried it and I'm like, this ain't doing shit. Just put it up and go back to the grinder. Yeah. I hate my Lansky. You can't lean into it. You can't put any pressure on it because you're holding it in your hand. Mm-hmm. Well, I put mine because it's got the one I've got. Has kind of like a an L bracket on each side, so to speak, that clamps the knife. So I put that the bottom facing L bracket. I put in my bench vise. So, oh yeah. So it kind of holds it for me, but still, those little like wire coat hanger rods that hold the stones, like it's all boogity. Yeah, they they flop around in the holes in the L piece. Yeah. So like you could you could be in the twenty five degree mark. But then you're holding the rod in a different angle, so you're at like 27 degrees or then 22. You know what I mean? It depends on right. if you're resting on the bottom of the hole or if you're angled and pulling up to the top. Yeah, my my setup, they uh, advertise them on Instagram all the time as the wasabis. I've seen that. Yeah, I bought mine on Amazon, though. It was like 30 bucks, something like that. It was cheap. 
But that's the one where like, uh, they Paul cut the brick that the rock goes through. Yeah, is that the ad where they're cutting on the brick, and then they try to cut yeah. the tomato, and it just mashes it? And... Yeah, and the guy cuts a shoe in half. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, you fucking idiots. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it works good though. It works good, but you need a digital protractor to set it. So. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, so that's another 12 bucks. I want one of those Wicked Edges. I really do. I want one so bad. That's like my goal for a sharpener, but they're like fucking $700. Really? They just came out with a, I think, a travel version or something. I, I haven't even seen it, but uh, there's another guy down here in Homestead that makes knives, um, Kevin Faddis, and uh, he just bought one, and he loves it. I did. I bought the, you know, bench top square holds all your stones. I mean, it was almost a thousand dollars. I think by the time I got everything, all the stones and everything, it was, it was high dollar. Yeah. They're proud of it. it. Sure. It comes in the big waterproof case. I carry it to work with me sharp and it work a lot, but he got the smaller travel one and he loves it. Doesn't come with a lot of stones. I mean, mine came with, I think, 100 grit all the way through maybe 1,500 grit. And I think his came with maybe two or three stones. Goes up to maybe 600 grit. But a lot more affordable. 600 grit right. will give you a workable edge. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Really, I'd if usually... I'm doing a hunting knife, I only go to maybe 800. Yeah, 800 and strop. Thousands yeah. mm-hmm. so my max. Kitchen knife, I usually go, I've got all the way up to 3,000 grit, and then I've got some, I think, 0.3 micron, and then I leather strop. So, Do you, do you see a big difference after, like, say, 800 grit? Um, it. I think it makes it quite a bit sharper. I don't think it lasts very long. Right. That's what Jason Knight says. Yeah. He, he said you can go up to... 10,000 grit, but you only get seven cuts out of it. Yeah. That's, that's close to the truth. It's <laughs> so a little like exaggerated, a, but it's not. Right. It's like not his bad. point was as a happy medium there, you yeah. know. I usually like to stop around 600 grit or maybe 1,000. I'll go up to 1,000 on my chef knives. Yeah. Um, it's just I have the stone. I'm hooked in. You know, it's it's locked into the vice on the wicked edge. I might as well do it for the chef knives. Mm-hmm. And I just finished one not too long ago, and I ended up keeping it. And I cut up a tomato yesterday after I've had it for probably a month, and it's still a laser. Well, I'm but, surprised that tomato wasn't rotten after a month. No, 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 the knife, the knife. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I had to keep it. I was going to raffle it off, and uh, I bought some Damascus from somebody we will not name. And it was stainless clad Nitro V-Core. Stainless Damascus clad, Nitro V core. And I think it was a hundred thou when I bought it, original thickness. And turned out beautiful. Love the knife. But if you bend it, it stays bent. The, the I guess the oh. core's not thick enough to bring it back to true. And the edge is great. Edge is definitely hard. Uh etched great. But I just couldn't bring myself to sell it when I knew I could bend it and it just stayed bent. Yeah. So that's on the uh, knife block now. Wow. Well, at least it's yours, and you know, be careful with it. You know what it can and can't do. And at least it's pretty. I can always get it back. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, Mr. Dulovich, we appreciate you coming on here with us today. I really appreciate you guys having me. This was fun. Yeah, it's been fun for sure. Time got away from us today. It's been a long one. Oh, wow. I like when those happen. Yeah. Yeah, it's the ones where we're looking at the clock at a half hour in like. Yeah, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's been fun, man. And like I said, if you're ever up in this area, feel free to stop in. The studio's got more than enough room for both of us right here. And it'll just be a a four-person show that day if we got another guest. And there's nothing wrong with that anyway, you know? It'll be fun. We'll make it happen. So, All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in with us. Check in with all of our sponsors, Maritime Knife Supply, Phoenix Abrasives, and Richard at Beck's Armory. If you need some stuff, one of them has it. I promise you, you will find what you're looking for between one of those three guys. And until then, keep hustling and keep grinding. That was a good one.